1: Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Dolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought. A show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one is F for respect. You press F for respect. Nate, do you are you familiar with the, the reference there? No, you know where I'm going with that. No, okay, so no, pressing F for respect is an internet meme. Okay, and it started originally in the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare Hmm. game. You're going deep cuts, okay, super deep cuts. Okay, because you're in that game, you are at a funeral and you actually press a button to pay respects. It's so to deep. the guy in the coffee. It's so unbelievably tacky that it became a meme. That's how bad it is. Wow. So that's where you could you
2: you you could have gone with like a Thanksgiving themed F word, you know, like fresh buns or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, funny story. I'm not even a Call of Duty player. That's ah. how that's how significant the meme is. I didn't even play that game. How do, how do I not know it? I'm I'm cooler than you.
2: I feel like I should know that.
1: Inevitably cooler than me. But internet memes,
2: I am very, very, very well. I would that. agree with that. I think in, you are a little bit more means You're a little bit more in tune. You've got your ear to the earth on the memes better than I do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing that I'm proud of as far as keeping up with the young people, it's definitely <laughs> the, memes. the memes. It's your memes. 100 percent the memes. Yeah. So how you feeling? So because it's been a while for those of it you has. who have been watching the show, listening to the show, Nate wasn't around last week and I was sick. I'm still recovering again this week. Yeah. It's been three, three weeks. The week before, both of us were sick. That yeah. didn't work. So it's been three weeks since it's been both of us. Yeah. And Nate,
2: you're here. You're I'm here. You're ostensibly alive. Uh, and, and so yeah. am I. Yes. We both made it through the other side, at least for now. At we least for it. now. We did it. You know what I could go for right now? Uh, the food for
1: thought drinking game. I could. I could go for the food for thought drinking game. In fact, you know what? I have a drink next to me. We're going to do it. But I could go for some Picasso's pizza right now. Mm. Because every show on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network is proudly presented by Picasso's pizza. Because you need to treat yourself. And I need treat to yourself. treat myself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza shipping locally and nationwide order online at Picasso's pizza.net. Nate, you know, I'm completely out of the Jenny. As you should be out of the Jenny, as you you should be, I'm out. It It shouldn't last you that long. I don't have any more Jenny and I'm very, very sad about it. You know why? Because since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint can and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer brewing, each with the highest quality drinking ingredients for a consistently great experience. Look for Genesee beer, Genesee light, cream ale, and their specialty lines with beers like Ruby Red Colson, Oktoberfest, Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. A reminder, hit all the engagement buttons, like, subscribe, rate. Do me a favor, give us a review on iTunes. And Apple Podcasts and stuff. It's been it a while up. since I've gotten one and I kind of want to get one because Yeah, do one. I think I need I think I need the ego stroked a little bit. I think.
2: Who doesn't? Who doesn't? It's the holidays. We want our ego stroke. Every once in a while, I just want to know I'm doing a good job. Or <laughs> Nate, you that's can all even, I want. You could just comment on, you know, how you think my mustache is coming in.
1: Even if I you want to do that. It's perfectly reasonable. But yeah. hit all the engagement buttons, like, subscribe, rate reviews, reminder, any super chat at or greater than $10, get yourself a Genesee pint glass, follow at Genesee Brewery on Twitter, and DM at Nick Geary Sports, proof of the this super guy. chat, and the Genesee follow with your address, and he'll get this you guy. one. Nate, you feel like the drinking game?
0: I feel like yeah. the drinking
2: game. Let's do it. Listen, I feel like we have to do the drinking game. Yesterday made me made me want to drink, and it made me want to smoke cigarettes, and I don't even smoke cigarettes. Well, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Food for Thought drinking game. Grab your drink,
1: follow along with us as we dive in. The rules are as follows. Anytime one of these 10 things happens, you got to take a drink and you got to call it out in the comment section when you hear it. Number one, either host mentions their pet. Number two, either host mentions their Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Number three, Nate's cat jumps on his lap. Number four, Nate name drops a local Buffalo restaurant. Number five, the third F of the show is an item that's a subset of food. Number six, there's a super chat. Number seven, a winner or loser of the week is some version of all of us. Mm. Number eight, Bruce says, and what I mean by that is. (laughs) Number nine, Bruce gives a fictional reason why his camera isn't working. Number 10, Nate openly Googles something during the show. Loving our odds, folks. Loving our odds. Loving the odds. So we're going to do our best. We already got people piling in the comments section. Richard Russ says, food, football, and finishing. RJ says, call of duty. Is this episode about Kyler Murray? Nice. It could be because, you know, Kyler Murray's coming back this week and he's he on is? my Dynasty Fantasy Football team. Drink. Drink. So, Troy says, I love that you're trolling Dolphins fans with the teal hat
2: you're wearing. Double Nate. teal, by the way. Double teal. Double teal. And I don't know if you notice what it says. It says bad. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Screw I the like Dolphins. It. Screw Let's do it, Nate. Right, Let's get, get it in. off, my fan. Let's get it in, my Let's friend.
1: We're gonna talk about mystery flavors today Mm. on the show. Mystery flavors. One of these things was a fairly significant food gimmick in the '90s, specifically sometimes in the early 2000s. You would have some sort of restaurant or food company or package company, you know, dessert company. They would release something and they would openly admit that it was a mystery flavor. And in this mystery flavor. The idea was to generate enough hype around the idea that it would generate buzz and word of mouth that you would go, everyone's talking about what this mystery flavor could be. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start off by talking about mystery flavors because it directly ties to the Buffalo Bills, Mm. who I believe have been a mystery flavor so far. No doubt about it. Nate, why don't you start us off?
2: So I I went with something that I'm going back to my childhood to think about mystery flavors for, Bruce. And I'm thinking there was a release of float-flavored jelly beans. Now, in the float-flavored jelly beans was a mystery flavor. And it was a white jelly bean. So there you go. Could be anything. But they are all float flavors. So the thing I remember the most is, first of all, I have to preface by telling you how much that I hate orange soda? Hate it. I hate orange soda or there I hate strong
1: thing to, It's a strong feeling about orange it. soda.
2: Can I tell you that there is a soda, uh, a unique soda that I do actually very much like. I like grape soda a lot. I think grape soda is fantastic. Birch beer. The uh, You mentioned how you drink um, uh, root beer all the time, which I have not had root beer in, in a, a long time. I love you- a good root beer. But you mentioned how much you love root beer. I don't blame you. It's a fantastic beverage. But there is something about orange soda that just turns me off. And I don't know what it is about it. So I remember very specifically getting this mystery float flavor jelly bean pack. I was very excited about it. And I pop in the mystery flavor, Bruce. What is it? It's orange soda float. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the first flavor that I pop in on the mystery. Now, it turns out all of the mystery flavors, were orange soda. It wasn't like, oh, this one's orange soda and this one's different. It was kind of dumb, Bruce. It was kind of a, it was a gimmick. And I was, I was very, I remember being very frustrated about this. Um, so what the bills in this, how this ties in, right? Like I hate orange soda, but the thing about an actual orange soda float that can be saved. Like if someone came up to me and said, Nate, although you don't like orange soda, we made you an orange creamsicle float, right? Like, Fine, whatever. I would probably drink it. And why is that, Bruce? I think it's because the vanilla ice cream, like the Bills figuring out a way to win, even though I hate everything that has happened beforehand. The vanilla ice cream finds a way to save the orange soda for me. It turns it into a very creamy, delicious Like, I've had an orange soda float where I wasn't completely turned off by it. So creamsicle
1: you're good with, but orange soda you're out on.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the mixture of that. But where I'm going with this is, you know, like how the current Bills are winning football games, it's very much unlike the team that I've been covering for the last few years, right? I mean, they're getting beat through the air, which just is not something a Sean McDermott defense has been done. It's not been done against a Sean McDermott defense a whole lot. It's kind of like – the orange soda, the basic orange soda element of this. Whereas like the vanilla ice cream, the saving of the day that makes it a treat for me that I would actually drink or consume and enjoy is the vanilla ice cream. They're still finding ways to win Bruce, but it's not in the conventional ways that we've come to know and love and maybe appreciate and then set expectations for, for this Bill's teams. And listen, I, I also think that part of the conversation is the unprecedented injuries this team has gone through. And because of that sort of mystery behind this whole thing, the mystery flavor of this Bruce is it's hard week in and week out to predict or know who or, or who's going to be the reason they win and why they'll be the reason why they'll win. Right. And you know, this week it was, I know at Oliver didn't get the game ball, but a lot of it was at Oliver. It was at Oliver. It was Josh Allen. It was Tyler Bass. You know, it was kind of the usual suspects in there, but you're throwing at Ed Oliver at Oliver saved that football game for the bills. Um, So to me, the mystery of this is who's going to step up because you just have guys that are falling and dropping and dropping and injuries here and injuries there. An unprecedented level of injuries that I've never seen a team who have the type of expectations the Bills have. And people were very quick to say like, oh, the Broncos. And oh, I'm like, guys, I cannot think of a team in an era that had the preseason expectations the Buffalo Bills have had that have had the injury issues that they've had throughout the start of the season through 10, 11 games, and they've still been able to overcome them to an 8-3 and record. And what it speaks to is, of course, the depth, Bruce. This team has depth, and that's sort of what brings the mystery of this whole thing together. What ties in, it's the depth, is you don't know which of those depth pieces in a week-in and week-out basis are going to step up, step in, and help this team win. That was a rhyme and a haiku, and I didn't even mean to do it.
1: You're a poet and you didn't know it?
2: I was a poet and I didn't know it.
1: So for me, when I think mystery flavor foods, Mm. the first thing that came to my mind, like I was, I actually had a backup plan just in case you picked this one. There's
2: no way I was going
1: to. Because I was like, it's going to happen. He's going to do it. Because my brain went to it so fast that I thought to myself. No way he won't think of it. It was too easy. It was way too easy. And I'm really glad you didn't. White airheads. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the airheads? Yeah. Mystery flavor and were white. Yeah, they were bad. This is the reason why I'm using it to relate to the Buffalo Bills recently. The mystery flavor airheads are literally no flavors at all. They're just a combination of everything left over from the factory that didn't get food coloring put in them. Correct. That's what they are. So sometimes they'll taste a little bit more cherry. Sometimes they'll taste a little bit more watermelon. They're just the leftover scraps yeah, without right. food coloring. And so that's what makes it really a good metaphor for me for the Buffalo Bills and the mystery mm. flavor. Because I don't know what I'm going to get every single week with the Buffalo Bills. Now, I do know the basic standard ingredients. I know you're going to get some Josh Allen. Mm. I know you're going to get some Stefan Diggs. I know you're going to get some Matt Oliver, some Matt Milano. I know what you're going to get. But I don't know the rest of it. And I don't know in what order. I don't know if it's going to be stronger grape flavored. I don't know if this is going to be an Isaiah McKenzie game, which I mentioned on Twitter. Once a year, we get an Isaiah McKenzie game. And it just absolutely sustains people who are Isaiah McKenzie stands for the the next year. I was still hearing about the Patriots game this offseason when it came to Isaiah McKenzie. I'm going to be hearing about the Lions game with Isaiah McKenzie six weeks from now. Well, if we just gave Isaiah McKenzie more touches, look what happens when we do. (laughs) So I don't ever know when I bite into a white airhead if I'm going to get more significant watermelon flavors, more significant cherry flavors, more significant grape flavors. I know what's in there. Even after you told me, even after you solved the mystery for me, even after I see the starting lineups, I know who's active. I know who's not. I know all the ingredients for this game. I still don't know what it's going to taste like at the end of it. I know what all the ingredients are, but they vary so differently batch to batch, in this case, game to game, that it can taste very different one game to the next. Hmm. So for me... When I think I like of that. Mystery Flavor Foods and the 2022 Buffalo
2: Bills, I think of white airheads. So For me, it was the jelly beans because that, that was like as a kid, I always remember like Chris. Oh, hey. Uh, he didn't jump on my lap though, so no, nobody has to drink. Doesn't count. Um, does not count. I don't know what he's doing. He's going nuts right now. Um, But... There there was something always to me, like I, I always used to get the jelly beans around Christmas time. And they'd always kind of just be like shoved into my stocking. And I would just kind of be digging in. And like I just remember one year getting the mystery flavors and all of them, all of the white ones being the mystery, but it wasn't really a mystery. Like at least with airheads, Bruce, which I love your your selection of the airheads, because that was. It was in the brain too. I didn't go with it because I went with it. I went with nostalgia of childhood for me, which I love doing in these. I love like bringing back a nostalgia, like nostalgic child memory um, into all of these podcasts because you know part of it is you know talking about things we love as children, but uh, because we are just grown children, if you think about it, you and me in particular. But um, yeah, the jelly beans and our airheads to me is 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 kind of the only true mystery flavor you get, at least in the mainstream. I'm sure there are. There are plenty of other... Have you ever had a savory mystery flavor something?
1: Hmm. Yes. I feel... Yeah. I had a savory mystery flavor jelly bean, and I think it was like a popcorn one.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay, that, that tracks. That's yeah. too bad. I, I've gotten a bad mystery jelly bean flavor before, but it wasn't the, the float-themed. Like, I've gotten ones that are, that are like, you know, garbage-flavored or something. that just Yeah, tastes... ever since I had one that yeah. was like,
1: Booger flavored. I'm out. Yeah, entirely. I'm like, out. Would, yeah, like why would we to, do this?
2: Take the mystery out of it for me. Just tell me that there's boogers in here, and I'm good to go. I don't. I won't. I won't eat it. Here's my question: Who tastes test
1: booger? It says, "Yep, box? this this is it. Yeah, this, this is exactly this is what booger tastes like." Yep, we got. I it. am the quality control booger flavored <laughs> tester. What? Well, so, Bruce, what do you do for a living? Okay, so don't tell the FBI, but I'm actually. The booger full time aficionado, who works for the Jelly Bean companies, and I tell them if it's truly a good representation of what a booger should taste like. So, this is going to be fun, Nate. Mm. If Bill's Lions was a food, what kind of food would it be? A fun one, you say? Huh? A really fun one. You want to go first? You want me to go first?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll go first. Then you 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 can go uh, you can go first on our on our final segment. Um, if Bill's Lions were a food. Now, I had to kind of get interesting on the, the definition of food here, Bruce. Uh, but sticking with candy, I went with a Warhead. And the reason is, is I am not a fan of sour. I'm especially not a fan of, like, super sour. And I am much more of a sweet, savory, anything else other than sour. Sour is my least favorite of anything. Sour. Love Skittles to death. You give me a sour Skittle, don't, like... I can feel my jaw thinking about Sour right now doing the thing where it's like, you know, tightening up. I, I, I hate Sour. And the thing about Warheads and like Thursday's game, it was Sour and unenjoyable for way, way, way too long. But like most Warheads are. Like you you throw a war. I haven't had a Warhead in years. But the big reason is, is like, you know what I used to do, Bruce, with a Warhead? I don't know why I did this, but what I would do is I would run it under warm water for like seven minutes. And then I would toss it in to get rid of all the sour because you just, it's in your mouth for so damn long. And the sour just, it stretches out for such a long time. And what you're in it for is the sweet at the end. And I think much like that game on Thursday, it just, the sour and unenjoyable nature of that sour for me lasted way way, way, lo- way too long. It almost really wasn't worth the payoff of leaving it in my mouth or watching the game in its entirety. But in the end, it in fact, was worth it. It was worth the wait. The Bills figured out a way to do the thing that they do, the thing that they get done to them at times, right? In 23 seconds, I saw your A-team tweet. I love the A-team, so love that you found a way to pull two separate A-team references into there, Bruce. Brava to you. Um, you. But yes, this was a lot of sour and not simply, not nearly enough sweet. And And certainly, Bruce... There are so many factors on why, really the last two weeks, there, you and I talk about excuses a lot, right? And, and when is something an excuse? And when is there something that's actually, you know, uh, what, what, what was you saying, the difference between an excuse and? Um, excuse and a reason? Excuse and a reason, yes. A contributing and factor. A contributing factor. Excuse. That's exactly oh. right. And I want to tell you that there are plenty of excuses the bills could tell you or that players or that media people could tell you as to why the last two games in particular, but you could go back to the Vikings game as well, the second half of that Vikings game, the second half of all of these games during really the third quarter. This was a team that led the league in third quarter point differential, and it has come crashing down to earth, Bruce. And there are a lot of excuses for this, right? I mean, two uh, two back-to-back games in the same city that is not in Buffalo, having to go to, to Detroit, fly back home, and three days later fly back um, you know, playing on Thanksgiving, uh, there's there's so many excuses and or contributing factors, obviously the injuries and, and Josh Allen, it clearly is not right. Um, but again, the payoff, I guess, was worth it, Bruce, in that they did it when it mattered the most. And people, when they talk about teams that aren't the bills for some reason, because part of this Bruce is understanding expectations and where they've moved from. Right. And when you hear, people talk about the Minnesota Vikings, right? What do they say? They say, well, Minnesota finds ways to win football Mm -hmm. games, and they're not pretty, but they're credited. Well, when they get to the playoffs, they know how to win every type of game. They know how to win from behind. They can win from staying ahead. They can win the close game. They can win the blowout, right? Like, they can win all of these games, and they are credited in that conversation, whereas the Bills, they blow teams out. Bruce, they're they're the first team I've ever seen that blows teams out that it's used as a negative against them. I literally I watched Sunday NFL Countdown last week because the Bills uh the Bills were playing and and I was home. I was not I was not working because I was sick, right? So it's the first time I got to watch a pregame national ESPN show and uh, you know when there was a Bills game in a very long time. And Sam Ponder said something that I almost like went, did I just hear that? And she goes she basically said something along the lines of discrediting the the bills are only good when they blow you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they can't win close games. And that's the narrative that exists with the bills. I think, and no, and no one's really going to give the narrative of, well, now the bills can win close games, even though they did it five weeks ago in Kansas city against arguably the best team in football right now. And they did it again on Thursday night when, or Thursday afternoon when they went down with 23 seconds left to three timeouts, lined themselves up for a game winning field goal and did it in regulation it's just, it's it's so interesting to me, Bruce, to to see how people will credit certain teams for the way they win, but discredit other teams by the way they win based on where their expectations are. And I think partially people talk about the Vikings in this way, Bruce, is because the Vikings weren't really expected to be an 8-2, and 9-2 and two football team like they are right now. The Bills were, the Bills were, you, you know, consensus Super Bowl favorites in the preseason. So there is a separate sort of level. There's a separate sort of expectation. There's an expectation that I have of this offense in particular. And really, as of late, they have not met that expectation. So, you know, if I again going back to the warhead example here, is that warhead lasted in the sour mode way too long. And I could have I could have held it under the water for seven minutes, eight minutes, and threw it back in my mouth and it was still sour. That's kind of how tough that game was to watch at certain points. But then again at the end, the payoff's always worth it, and the sweet at the end of the warhead makes the suffering through worth it.
1: This is a good one. This is this is going to be a good one, Nate. I can tell you already. That was you, you came out of the get strong. There It was really strong. I felt good about it. Good, good. Mine's not you yours. No, it'll be yours. Always is. If Bill's Lions was a food, it is late night White Castle, but specifically in your thirties. And I Bruce. say this because you just recently turned 30 and now
2: you can speak to this. Bruce. Yes. I just, I have to interrupt you to tell you this. So I told you how uh, originally last week I thought I got food poisoning, but it was the stomach flu. Mm-hmm. And there were two things in Las Vegas that I ate that I was, that had the time timeframe and, and could be contributed to my inability to keep food, water, anything down. One was Guy Fieri's restaurant. The other was White Castle. There we go. And I'm 30.
1: Okay. Look at me go. (laughs) Look at me go. (laughs) Folks, you cannot find content like this anywhere else. No, you can't. Only on this show. You really can, folks. Late night White Castle in your 30s. See, when you're in your early 20s and you decide, I'm up for an adventure. Let's do it. We're going to stay up late. We're going to go to White Castle. It's going to be amazing. You get done. You have an adventure. The next day, you say, Man, that was awesome. What a great adventure we had. When you're in your 30s, sometimes nostalgia gets the better of you. And you think to yourself, This thing is going to be an event. It's a fun event. It doesn't happen all the time, right? It's not something that's going to happen frequently. Maybe we only do it once a year. Maybe we do it once a year in November, for example. And we think it's going to be an event. It necessarily won't be a one-off, but it'll be a a fairly rare adventure. Sure. And then you go. And you realize that the nostalgia actually messed you up a little bit. Mm -mm. This isn't nearly as much fun as you thought it was going to be. Yeah. And you might survive. You might, and and you might be sustained in the sense that you got calories in your body.
2: But boy, they're. But at the yelling. end of
1: it, you look around and go, "I'm just kind of glad it's over. Like hmm. we survived, and I'm thankful for that. And I don't think I need to do that again. But here's the I'm caveat: like- about a year from now, you're going to think to yourself, "You know what? I haven't done in a long time." White Castle. (laughs) And you're going to do it again. No doubt. That's what Bill's Lions is for me. Mm. Bill's Lions, you go in, you think, hey, it's a Thanksgiving game. It's going to be an event. It's going to be fun. And before too long, it's tearing you up inside. Your stomach is in knots. There's other things happening to your stomach area. Your intestinal fortitude is being challenged by both the White Castle and the Bill's Lions game. And so, in that way, Bill's Lions is like White Castle, but specifically a late-night White Castle run or adventure when you are past the age of 30. Mm. So that is, a good, that is a good one, my friend. I, it's absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect for your particular situation. Yes, indeed. Nate? Yes, indeed. The success... Of number one wide receivers against the Bills mm. made me feel like... I, I, I did this because of your tweet, by the way. <laughs> I was listening to the post-game show with you. I don't usually do that. But I was driving back from a location where I had watched the game. And I turned to my wife and I said, let's listen to Nate
2: Ooh, on good WGR. Call did, did, did you listen right from
1: the beginning? I got the caller... Right when I turned it on, I got the caller who said that Josh Allen should have waited on the RPO. Ah, okay, perfect. And you tried I'm... to explain to him, yeah, that you can't wait on an RPO, and he said, "Well, I agree to disagree." Agree to disagree. Anyway, I felt like we were an anchorman.
2: Yes. You know? Yes.
1: Here is all the. evidence not it mean Here
2: is... Saint Diego? You're right, Saint Diego,
1: Well, Agree yeah. to disagree. No, that's that's yeah. that's what it means. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it means. That's, that's what it means. So. This was inspired by your tweet and then your take on the on the show about the success that number one wide receivers have had against the Bills recently. Yeah. And it makes me feel like I had a bad appetizer at a restaurant that I was really excited about, and now I'm waiting on the main course to come in and save me. I'm waiting on the main course to come in and rescue me because – when you go to a nice restaurant, you always feel like you need to order the appetizer. You need to. You don't necessarily order an appetizer at every restaurant you go to, but if you go to a nice one, you think, well, I gotta have the appetizer, right? I mean, I need to sample as much as humanly possible. I don't go here very often. It's kind of a one-off thing. It's a special occasion. Let's have an appetizer. So you do. If the appetizer's terrible. You're just waiting around for your main course going, okay, guys, the main course has got to save me now. Like, it's got to literally, literally wash this taste out of my mouth. And that's the way that the Buffalo Bills right now are looking at the pending return of Tredavious White and Kair Elam. Mm. Because Elam actually played pretty well he yesterday, well. but he played sparingly because he's coming off the lower leg injury. Tradavius White was openly on a pitch count. They just flat out said it's a pitch count, which is perfectly fine. He's him yep. back in, especially on that turf. Leslie Frazier said today, he's ready for more. We're going to give him more. We've been having a bad appetizer the last couple of games, Nate. Amari Cooper, Amon Ross yep. St. Brown, Justin Jefferson. I don't like this taste in my mouth. And I'm waiting for Tradavius White and Kyrie Elam to come save me. I'm waiting for the main dish. I'm waiting for the entree, the big kahuna, the thing that the entire meal is built around to come save me. In the same sense, I'm I'm at a nice restaurant. Bills have a, ostensibly a good defense, but I need the main course to wash the taste of mm. this bad appetizer
2: out of my mouth. It has been a bad app, hasn't it? You know, Bruce, too, I'm starting to, once Trey White's back and and playing full and isn't on a pitch count anymore, I'm interested to see what and if there is still remaining a pitch count, or not a pitch count, I'm sorry, a rotation. Because for the better part of the last three years, it was Levi Wallace and Tradavius White, unless injury. There was no rotation, and it's almost, Bruce, you know what reminds me a little bit of it reminds me of how the Patriots have handled their running backs, how they never seem to let a guy get into a groove, find his, you know, kind of find his spot and 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 find consistency and find success. And my hope is that when everyone's healthy, I don't want a rotation, Bruce. I don't. Um, I get why they've had to have one, but I don't need one anymore. I think to your point, I think Kyrie Lem has shown that he can be the guy for me, number two. And if not, I think Christian Benford's right there behind him. And yeah, I know he's out for a couple weeks now with an oblique injury. Have we have we turned the page on Dane Jackson? I Tony Bromo kept calling him a budding superstar, and I just I couldn't tell you what I was. I was, what I I was watching. struggling
1: with that yesterday. I could I not tell you what he was watching. Was completely okay turning the page on Dane Jackson the second they drafted Kyrie Lem.
2: Yeah. And that's this is not to say that I think it's all Dane's fault. I, I I mentioned in a tweet today, and it it you know what? Let me let me tell you why because I don't want to ruin my you know the success of number one wide receivers against the Bills defense making me feel like uh, because the answer is in this. So the success of number one uh, wide receivers against the Bills defense, Bruce, makes me feel like when you find out a chain restaurant makes your favorite dish better than your wife and or girlfriend. There's a subtle line and balance you have to keep here, Bruce. The last thing you want to do, and I almost sometimes won't even order something that I know my significant other makes and, and enjoys making for me, because I don't. It's almost like you're you're cheating, like you're like you're crossing the line of trying someone else's version of this when it means a lot to them that they make it for you, right? Um, there's a deeper, there's something deeper here, though. Right? Like, the, like the, the, the secret the chain restaurant is using that your wife or girlfriend isn't, right? In this case, is Tremaine Edmonds, Bruce. He's the secret. He's the difference of why you like that chain restaurant recipe more than your significant others. And the reason is, Bruce, is teams are now even, it is shocking to me to see the Lions before that, the Browns, before that the vikings not really until the second half bruce right it wasn't until the second half until the vikings defense really started to exploit that bill secondary why is that Tremaine edmonds went out at halftime did not return and he has not played since so what offenses are doing is they're not picking on dane jackson because he's a bad football player because he can't cover quite on the contrary bruce Every single time I watch plays being made against Jane Jackson, where is he, Bruce? At the ball. He's in the perfect position to make a play. He just is not making the play. He's swiping his hand one second too late. He's turning around and the ball's meeting the wide receiver's hands as he's turning around. It's timing. It's experience, frankly. But more than ever, or more than anything, it's the ability to play the football. And that has not been there for him. But what teams are doing, why they're picking on Dane Jackson. I mean, did did Tredavis White play 20 plays? Did, was he targeted one time, Bruce? I don't think he was. was not. I don't think he was targeted as the main man in coverage. Not a single time. Kyrie Elam goes in the game. He was targeted three times, Bruce. They focused on the middle of the field, which even they were lining up on the outside and they were running in breaking routes towards the middle of the field. And why is that? Because Tremaine Edmonds isn't there. So what they're doing and what they've been doing is finding Dane Jackson and using his zone leveraging, using the thing that he is taught to do, which is to keep outside leverage. You can't let a guy get to your outside. You'll even see some of these uh, uh, certain defenses. You see it more at the college level than you do see at the pro level, Bruce. You will see corners in their pre-snap stances invite that receiver inside because that's where they know they have help. Right zone coverage. What do you want to do as as a as a defensive player, as a safety in run defense in your run fits? What do you want to do when it when a pitch goes outside, Bruce? The first thing you want to do is that outside defender, is that edge defender. You want to funnel everything back, back inside, inside where there is help there. And right now the help is not there for Dane Jackson, and teams are using his outside leverage against him. In particular, they're picking on him because he maintains that level of outside leverage, and you can see it on film, and I think teams are picking up on it. They picked up it on the second half against um, against Justin Jefferson. And especially when they run the cover two, the Tampa two, he gives up the stuff behind him. He – listen, a lot of what I'm seeing from this defense is how badly and how important Tremaine Edmonds is to this defense and how badly his teammates miss him and how badly – they miss being able to trust and maybe this is the bigger thing than anything bruce to trust the fact that when they pass it or when they when they when they move things back to the middle that they've got the length they've got the speed and the coverage ability of Tremaine Edmunds there to bail them out. This is not necessarily the, he's bailing out Matt Milano. Of course, I believe those two are a great combination. I think Tremaine Edmonds frees up Matt Milano to get downhill quicker and become the guy that gets all those TFLs, that can do all the things that he does so darn well. I think they work in combination so well together and harmony so well together. But it, I don't think a lot of people really believed or a lot of people really understood the importance that he played to this secondary Bruce and how these corners guess who else is struggling Bruce, who has not struggled one time in his career, Taryn Johnson. Why is that? Why is that? It's because the trust inside is not there right now. They're second guessing. They're wondering whether or not they should be in a position that they're in. I saw, I saw Christian Benford wait on a play early on third down early in that football game. Where if he trusted his instance, he was in the right position. He stopped, he left the the deep flat because he knew that he had occupied the short flat. And instead of making the play on the ball, he held back. He hesitated. I think there's a lot of hesitation happening, Bruce, because the trust of knowing they could pass everything off to the middle of the field to Tremaine Edmonds is no longer there.
1: I think that when people are evaluating Tremaine Edmonds too
2: often. They're
1: looking at the run. They're looking at the run game.
2: Yep. And I don't, I, I, I want to be careful to say that I don't care about Tremaine Edmonds as a run, as a run defender, because frankly, yes, it's his job to be a run defender. 100%. And a linebacker's job. What's their first step, Bruce? First, first steps, steps
1: upfield forward, for forwards. It's, for,
2: it's first steps forward to be a run defender. So I can't say that I don't care about him as a run defender, when it's so important for linebackers f- to take that first step forward, upfield, to try to stop the run. But what we're seeing this year is a good run defense, Bruce, doesn't involve the linebackers at all, right? When right. Daquan Jones and when Tim Settler are doing their things and Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver are doing their thing, Those guys are the ones making first contact and then it's the linebackers scraping over the top. Then it's the linebackers getting that guy to the ground. I I, know better than the Cleveland Browns game. I thought that the, the gap integrity, the soundness in which the defensive tackles played was the main reason had nothing to do with the linebacker play. Now Milano had a great game, but it's because of what those interior defensive linemen were doing to. And if the defensive lineman wasn't making the play, Bruce, what were they doing? They were bouncing it outside. That's where the linebackers can come in to me. I don't need Tremaine Edmonds to be an A-gap run defender. That's why you have interior defensive linemen. What I need and what this defense has been known for is stopping the pass on a more consistent basis than any defense in football since Sean McDermott has arrived, since Legend Frazier has arrived. It is no coincidence to me, Bruce, that they are giving up more yards in the pass game over the last three weeks than any time I can remember, and Tremaine Edmonds is on the sideline injured.
1: One of the things that is always tricky about evaluating Tremaine Edmonds is that opportunity cost cannot be judged metrically. No. Can't be. So if you watch the film, you can see it and you can point it out to people, but there is no metric for it. And linebacker play is really, really difficult to judge. It's very in nuanced. In metric terms, but you can see it. With specific pass plays, you can see throws that are not there because you have a pterodactyl in the middle of the field. RJ says Edmonds takes away the entire middle of the field with his pterodactyl wings. Yeah. Having a six foot five, 248 pound linebacker with unbelievable arms is it. We understand it intrinsically in basketball, but we don't understand it in football. I don't understand why. So I am not a basketball guy. But I know enough to know this. Length matters on defense. We understand that length matters in defense. Clogging up passing lanes matters. We understand all these things intrinsically. And length has value, even though we can't measure it in basketball. But we don't translate that same concept to linebackers and coverage in football. In fact, we even understand it when it comes to drafting cornerbacks. We talk about arm length all the time. When it comes to drafting cornerbacks, Trent McDuffie, all draft season long, the question was the arm length. So we understand it when it comes to corners, and we understand it when it comes to basketball, but the second it comes to evaluating linebackers and pass coverage, we dismiss it entirely. Does it matter or does it not? Because if it matters, then someone with crazy arm length the way that Tremaine Edmonds has has got to matter, right? I mean, it's only a matter of time before we start to understand that when it comes to linebackers too. Guys, it's 35-inch arms. If Tremaine Edmonds was an offensive tackle, you would go, this guy's got really, really long arms. (laughs) If he was an offensive tackle,
2: right?
1: come on, guys, it matters.
2: It matters. All right,
1: moving along. It matters. It matters. Winners and losers. We're going to do it.
2: Uh, Can we start with losers first? Sure. Hit me with a loser. Uh, I'm going to go with one guy that continues to be a perennial loser on this show. Time in, uh, I mean, multiple times he's been a loser on this show. Any guess, Bruce? Who I'm going to go with? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Good guess. Oh my gosh, I did it. Good guess. Yes, I am on. I am on. Good guess. Um, yes, uh, it's Baker Mayfield. Because, listen, not that I expected Baker to walk in last week and, you know, shut everybody up and take that job and say, I'm never letting it go again. And I'm going to prove to you guys that I'm the franchise quarterback and you guys don't have to draft somebody in the top five when whenever, you know, top two or top three, wherever they're going to finish this year. He got benched for Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker and then P.J. Walker another time. It's the end for Baker Mayfield. Do you want to know why it's the end? I even dropped him in our Dynasty Fantasy League. Drink. That's how I knew that this was a legitimate
1: a legitimate take is because you traded for him this offseason. I did. As part of the Cooper Cup deal. Yep. And then you finally let go after all this
2: time. You let go. All this time. I let go. It's too bad. I, I just, Bruce, I don't know what went wrong. I mean, it, it started so well and just. Um, Here's the other thing, too. And, and Joe, uh, when I was uh, doing pregame, we were talking about this. And Joe DiBiase brought up a really good point about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's going to struggle to find gainful employment in the league moving forward because people are going to look at him and they're going to view his right or wrong, Bruce. And I'm not here to tell you, I think Baker Mayfield's a bad teammate or a bad guy. In fact, I think more than anything, the thing he's been showing is how good of a teammate he is and how he can be a guy that even with the disappointment of losing the starting job can still be a good teammate and still do the things in practice you want him to do to prepare the right way. Like, they showed a couple of things of like him lining up uh, and scout team defense in Carolina, right? Like those are the things that you want to see from a guy that's been benched. That was a former number one overall pick. But Bruce, how many teams are going to line up to say, yeah, we want Baker to be the backup? I I don't know, man. I He could be like the next Johnny Manziel. He could end up in the XFL in one of these other leagues. Like that's, that's kind of the future I'm seeing for Baker Mayfield at this point. It's for a guy that I liked a lot like I thought was an entertaining football player brought the goods in college. It just has not worked out for him in the pros and the Browns ruined another quarterback. And that's that, but yeah, Baker Mayfield, my biggest loser this week.
1: It's interesting because, you know, coming out because of the concerns about potential attitude there. And the fact that he went to the Browns, there were Johnny Manziel comparisons made, even though stylistically, they're nothing alike, nothing alike, but because they were both drafted by the Browns, and because of the concerns about potential attitude, there was comparisons there.
2: By the way, I want to I want to mention this from Buff Hub, uh, mentioning Baker Mayfield would do well in Buffalo as a backup. Yeah, it's going to be tough because Sam Darnold's going to be the backup here next year.
1: I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. My biggest loser
2: this week is
1: Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore had an opportunity. Rondale Moore at Hollywood Brown go out. He had the number one wide receiver in Arizona, who you have, I think, I'm pretty sure you have, DeAndre Hopkins, Mm -hmm. in our Dynasty Fantasy Football League, Drink, And he had an opportunity to show that he was going to be a guy. He had a couple of really strong games. And then he got hurt again. Again. And one of the biggest questions that people have when you are five foot seven and 175 pounds, is can you hold up to a full time load? And Rondale Moore had a shot and it was looking promising. And then he got hurt again. Again. And now Hollywood Brown's coming back. And Rondale Moore goes from this offseason, maybe I can be like a dude. Yeah. To now I'm the third wide receiver. And oh, by the way, Greg Dortch. Looks really good for the Cardinals. Does Rondale Moore turn into Isaiah McKenzie? Wow. Maybe. Because if you didn't like Rondale Moore coming out, that was what you were concerned about. Was that he was Isaiah McKenzie. He was a gadget player. Wasn't big enough to hold up. And after the first year, and Rondale Moore's hilariously low A dot, his average distance of target the first year was negative. Literally, it was negative for Rondell Moore. He was strictly a behind-the-line scrimmage gadget player. And they thought, no, 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 this is going to be the year. He's going to have the Hollywood Brown vertical slot role, right? Because Hollywood Brown is going to be on the outside, and Christian Kirk vacated the role. And so Rondell Moore is going to be Christian Kirk. It's going to be great. Now he's staring down the barrel of potentially being the fourth wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals when he comes back from his injury. Rondale Moore, second-round pick, disappointing. Biggest loser this week. Biggest winner this week. Who you Funny, got? It's Kirk Cousins. Hmm. Kirk Cousins just came off a terrible game against the Cowboys defense. Horrible. He got beaten the crap off. Yes, he did. And the New England Patriots had a really good defense. And he came in and lit him up like a Christmas tree. 382 touchdowns. Big win. Thank you, by the way, Kirk, for beating the AFC East divisional foe. I appreciate that. Kirk Thuggins doing his thing. But having a bounce back like that was important for Kirk Cousins, I think, this year. Hmm. It was really important because I think that the second he had a bad game against the Cowboys, the first thought was, here we go again. It's the same old Kirk. It's the same old Kirk. He's going to be just fine, and the second everything gets a little bright for him, he's going to collapse. But then, about that. on Thanksgiving night, in primetime, prime with the whole world watching, he beat a really good defense. I mean, there were some discussions about this being one of Belichick's best defenses. And Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, T.J. Hawkinson did their thing. And Cousins, I think, when I was doing the research for the Bills-Vikings game, and then I did the research for Bills-Lions, I said, Kirk Cousins is just super golf, right? Right. Jerry Goff at this point is just diet Kirk cousins. That's what he is. Yeah. And you know what? If you get a good stretch of play from Kirk cousins, you could do all right. You could do you know, all right. You and I talked about uh-huh. Kirk cousins
2: this off season, uh-huh. and I defended him. And you know what? He's played all right this year. He's not been, he's not been the best, but at time, like last week, uh, yesterday, he really played very well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. Also,
1: Top 10 fantasy quarterback right now. Weird, but true. Weird, but true. My biggest winner this week, Kirk Cousins.
2: Nate, biggest winner this week. Who you got? (sighs) My biggest winner this week, Ramondra Stevenson. Someone that I let Bruce not bully me out of necessarily, but I let Bruce convince me not to let trade for in our fantasy dynasty league drink again. Um, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of alcohol. My my drink. Yeah, I I don't. I don't blame you. We we we've 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 hammered that fantasy talk today, Um, but Ramondre Stevenson, uh, uh, Damian Harris was seen in uh, crutches after the game, Uh, but um, Ramondre Stevenson has a thousand all-purpose yards this year so far. Uh, He is second on the team in receptions and is probably going to buck the trend of being Bill Belichick's first art true RB one. Damon Harris is a free agent in the offseason. He will not be brought back. They drafted. Uh, who, who, who's the kid they drafted? Who's the running? No, they drafted two running backs. But who's yeah. the kid they drafted in the fifth round? Crap!
1: Hold on. It was Kevin. Kevin something. Hold on. Give me a second. What freak is his name? Hey, we're, we're gonna we're gonna Google this. Google. Let's go. Google it. Frank. Evan Harris in round six. Come on. And Pierre yeah, Strong come on. in round four.
2: Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong, yes. Um, so yes, Ramondre Stevenson to me is the biggest winner because A, apparently, I don't know if you like how much of the broadcast you were watching yesterday, Bruce, but they were talking about how I think it was uh, Jason Garrett, who, by the way, what are we doing, NBC? What are we doing with Jason Garrett? Like, why, why you, first and foremost, they've ruined my Notre Dame football Saturdays by putting Jason Garrett on on the Notre Dame football broadcast with, by the way, Jack Collinsworth as the play by play. Just end me. I I mean, end me, NBC. Why have we, I digress. Um, He talked about how Belichick talked about Stevenson for over a half hour about just how, and he's like, we've never heard coach Bella talk, talk about a player like they've talked about. Now, of course it's hyperbole it's broadcast. They're filling airtime, but um, Stevenson has really kind of come on as like the legit person. This offense needs, because they don't have good wide receivers to be the weapon that, you know, Mac Jones can get all of the garbage yards from, right. Just dump it down and let him do the rest. I think, He was a guy that people looked at when they drafted and maybe said, okay, he's maybe a good change of pace back. He's gained some weight this offseason, Bruce. He's a legit legit player. He's very good. He's going to be a tough guy to stop next week.
1: Yeah, after the Calvin Ridley thing and everybody thought he was going to be the next big RB1, I just – Calvin
2: Ridley, uh, Stephen Ridley. Oh, Calvin Ridley, my gosh.
1: Yes. But I, I knew where you were going. Steven Ridley, we going. not Calvin Ridley. Holy crap. Calvin Ridley, the Atlanta. I apparently had too many drinks. Calvin Ridley, the Atlanta wide receiver who's now on the Jaguars got traded while suspended. So,
2: yeah, I'll, just, I'll believe it when I see it, when it comes
1: to Ramondre Stevenson.
2: I will say since week five, 90%, 86, 77, 63, 73, 78, and 82 with Damon Harris on the, healthy and on the field, that's the snap percentage.
1: We'll see how it holds up next year. Indeed. All I know, he could fumble the ball once in the playoffs and then never never hear from him again. That's right. I mean,
2: 100% that's right. Nate, we did it. We did, technically. We did the thing as we normally do. All the things,
1: they did it. Troy says, I can prove they don't read the chat because they won't put this up on
2: screen. What's up, man? What's up, Troy? Yes. Oh, you, uh, you tweeted while we were doing the show live, so you noticed what I tweeted earlier about the Arby's burger being back. Yes, I did. It's back. That is one of the finest fast food burgers you're going to find. It absolutely is. 100. I have, I have not, I have not found a better burger in the fast food market than Arby's. It's Wagyu burger, maybe Wagyu beef. Brian says we're probably
1: streaming while his meth batch is simmering. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> holy
2: crap! That's a dark way to end the show. Which you know, super dark way to end I'm, the show. Listen, I'm all for creative ways to end the show, and uh, on meth batch, I think is probably. the I way think to that's go. it. This is good to go.
1: What, what happened try. was when we were sitting and here laugh. looking at each other trying to figure out the the running back, they were saying Pierre Strong, strong in the in the comment section. And oh, I didn't and we were over to the right I. because I was on my left screen googling same i was on my right i was on my left screen i was on the opposite screen googling the patriots draft picks for 2022 so i didn't have my i was literally pivoted away from the screen when that happened so i didn't see that they said pierre strong in the comment section because mind you the comment section man they're they're plenty smart they could have helped me out but i just don't want to rely on them i don't want to use them as a crutch i don't want to use them the way damian harris used the crutches because I bring it all full circle like that.
2: Yeah, and listen, uh, by the way, just a programming note. I will be recording Sunday night with Eric Turner. I am making my return to the film room on Sunday night. Eric and I have discussed it's 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 time. We've we've got some Ken Dorsey fire to throw out. We want this whole show and to talk about Ken Dorsey. I think we're going to talk about tomorrow, aren't we? Oh, we certainly are. Yes, and Bruce is going to be on Sports Talk Saturday with me tomorrow.
1: Let's do it. Let's do the thing. Let's do this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you can tell, my voice is starting to fail me again. But I hope you enjoyed having the band back together because we're on a mission from Gad. Mission from Gad. We're on a mission from Gad. I'll have a uh, four fried chickens and a coke. You want chicken legs or chicken thighs? No, I want, <laughs> I want four fried chickens and a coke. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed having the band back together. I hope you acknowledge our ADD and have a good time with it. But most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry.